0: Welcome to the Lions Den University Report. This program brings you a behind the scenes look at the spiritual life on today's university and college campuses. Now here's your host, Glenn Bailey. The following program was previously broadcast. We're in North Carolina right now actually at a conference on apologetics, Uh, but uh, one of the speakers here is Dr. John Sanford who has I've uh, been a professor at Cornell University and a researcher uh, previously into plant genetics and now in uh, human genetics. And uh, he's uh, speaking on a subject that he's written on. Uh, one of his books is Genetic Entropy and uh, some really cutting edge uh, research and we want to talk about that. In our previous uh, conversation we talked mm-hmm. about how you came to faith in Christ from atheism, you and your wife both about the same time, and began to grow in that faith. and. Uh, uh, learn more about uh, who Jesus is and following him. Uh, and uh, uh, how did that affect your uh, view of your being a professor at a university where evolution is king, almost? Mm-hmm. So
1: uh, after I became a Christian, um, mid-career, mid-life, um, it, it was um, awkward for me at the university because I was actually afraid to tell people that I was a Christian. I was right. very distinctly afraid, and I, I sense that uh, in the years since in others, I see there's a general fear among Christians to come out of the closet, so to speak.
0: right? And so
1: as a consequence, Christian professors and Christian students tend to be silent, and so it, people don't realize how many Christians are on campus. Um, and so but in that state of isolation, the Christians become very weak. And so, and they and they become almost. Some of them would just drift away from their faith because they don't. Because there's no um, fellowship,
0: and they're um, trying to stand on their own. So that's it's right. not a good place to be. Um, and that's one of the reasons we have our program. Is uh, Our primary uh, mission is to present the gospel of Jesus Christ, but then secondarily to network believers on the campuses mm-hmm. who do feel isolated, who do feel, many of them, like they're going into the lion's den, as Daniel did. Right. And, uh,
1: it, it, it actually, it is a lion's den for students and faculty, and it was for me, and I wasn't brave like Daniel. Um, And so, for a long time, I was a very compromised, weak Christian, kind of wanted to hide my Christianity uh, in the workplace. And so, one of the things that I, one of the reasons I was so intimidated was there are lots of hard questions that I could not answer. And I just lived in fear that people would ask me these hard questions and that I would just, you know, have nothing intelligent to say except, you know, stammering and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And so I was, I'd say I was saved, but not very fruitful for about 10 years. I was a a theistic evolutionist, and I was, you know, I had been totally, totally uh, uh, committed to a Darwinian perspective before I was saved. And then once I was saved, I was then captive to it. I, I I was I, I feel it was a type of bondage. It was a mental bondage. What I thought was unequivocally and provably true, um, I now realize is um, actually can't even be defended. It's mm. it's not it's not even conceivable right. that you can create a, a human mind or a human soul or a human being through any type of. Um, Trial and error process such as mutation selection, but at that time I was um, I just felt well the science proves evolution, so I'm i, I needed to, to ignore those parts of scripture that seem to conflict with evolution, and I need to um, just be very understated. My, it's a private faith, and um, I'm not going to try to defend it. So I was in that place for um, a long time. Uh, eventually, I, I as we hel- my wife and I uh, eventually sh- um, switched churches and went to a more conservative church where they actually uh, take the word of the uh, the word of God seriously. Right. And in that environment, people uh, number one, we were greatly encouraged, and number two, uh, people started to challenge my my evolutionary perspective. I see. And uh, at what I, it seemed like child's play to defend it initially, as a uh, encountered uh, the hard questions on the other side, I realized, uh, actually, there's a lot of weaknesses, a lot of uh, chinks in the armor, the the way I was thinking about it, that I hadn't been aware of. And I thought, why didn't I think about that before? Uh, and it's because I wasn't, when I was an evolutionist, I would never critically examine what I believed. Mm. I believed it right? uh, because I had been indoctrinated in it, yeah. and I never critically examined what well, does that follow, is that logical, is that is that really um, demonstrable? And so um, that was really an exciting time, but it was also very painful because I remember sitting in my living room uh, with a pile of books on my left hand side which were evolutionary books textbooks famous books by Stephen Jay Gould and other people and, and a pile of books uh, on my right which were had a biblical biblical perspective and mm-hmm. with a design you know there's design or or that there was a miraculous creation and i i remember thinking this is this is driving me crazy there's mm-hmm. both sides have are making good arguments and right. And this side has more human authority, but this side are my brethren in Christ, and they, they're actually coming from a biblical point of view, which is what I'm committed to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember making a decision at that point. I said, okay, the science, uh, the science seems ambiguous to me, but I know which side I'm on spiritually. Right. And I said, I'm, I'm, going with this, I'm going this way, I'm going with the biblical view, even if it makes me a fool in the eyes of the world
0: that mm. was a very deliberate decision yeah and, and that's, and that's a not, good a, yeah that's not uh, uh, making an extreme point i mean you are thought to be foolish by by a vast majority of the scientific community when you take a different position
1: yeah and for and for people on campus who are feeling the fear of man i actually encourage them um yeah be a fool for christ because uh It's a small price to pay and, you know, it's only your pride. And Christ promises us that if we follow him, we will be despised and slandered and mocked. And so it's actually, um, it's, it's part of the cost of following Christ. And it's, um, what you realize when, when you risk being a fool for Christ, the perspective, the biblical perspective is very coherent, very rational. And that, in fact, when you critically examine the evolutionary perspective, the godless perspective, it is empty. It's it, And uh, so in the last 10 years, remember I said I made a decision? I said, uh, right. I'll be a fool for Christ. Mm-hmm. In, sure. the, in, in the 10 years subsequent to that, my own research has been very fruitful. Mm. And I have um, uncovered really powerful evidences that show that Darwin was wrong. And that while natural selection happens, it can't do type of things that people imagine.
0: Right. So you didn't stop doing science. You didn't think science is irrelevant now because you're a Christian. You're saying there's a different perspective on on your work.
1: So so I remember um, about 13 years ago, I said, okay, I'm done with science. I'm just going to work full time for the Christian ministry. I'm just going to follow Christ. And (laughs) very quickly, I find myself back doing science full time, you know, thinking about it day and night. Uh, but now with a totally radically different perspective with the view that uh, I want to use my science to affirm scripture. And that's what it's doing, is good science affirms scripture. And uh, so I'm part of a, a group of scientists called Logos Research Associates, and that's our motto, good science affirms scripture. And we have geologists and physicists and mathematicians and people like myself who are geneticists, people from every walk of science and we're actively engaged in original scientific research that, con- it, that consistently is showing to ourselves and others the good science firm scripture. It's just really exciting.
0: Right. And it's not a well-known uh, group. Uh, say the name of it again, and is there a website or some way people could contact uh, yeah, the okay. organization? It's Logos Research Associates. Mm-hmm. And so
1: LogosResearchAssociates.com, is, if you Google it, it'll come right up. And so um, we're a network of scientists, uh, mostly in the United States, but other nations as well. And we're, we're involved in uh, not just um, apologetics, but actual cutting-edge research. So uh, a number of us are, are publishing papers in secular journals. And, uh, and if not, we're publishing papers in... If we can't get published in the secular journals because we're too politically incorrect, um, we publish in other venues but the the most exciting publication is this new book biological information new perspectives that's uh, the result of a symposium at cornell university that was held three years ago and it's the proceedings have just been published and it is a milestone book in terms of uh, changing our understanding of number one what life is and number two how it arose and 29 highly credentialed scientists contributed to it, representing diverse philosophical perspectives. They represented uh, fields for every, every discipline you could think of, from uh, mathematics, to physics, to biophysics, to genetics, to molecular biology, to cell biology, to evolutionary biology, and information theory, and um, computer science, and numerical simulation. And those 29 scientists, um, even though they're very diverse in their fields and very diverse in their philosophies, all came to the same conclusion, and that was that biological information is unbelievably profound, vastly superior to any information technology developed by man. right And number two, it can't develop through any trial and error process. Hmm. You can't get Which these, is what evolution teaches. Yeah, bi- evolution requires that mutations misspellings in the book, basically, plus selective choice of texts uh, can create information. And all, that, all of these scientists said, based upon their different types of analysis from different disciplines, they all said, you can't do that. You can't create computers and, and computer technology through trial and error. And basically, that's what's happening. A cell has within it Um, executable programs it has hardware and software and there's all the different components of a cell communicate it's very much like an internet system within a cell and those communication systems those information networks cannot be established by any other mechanism but design
0: Right. And uh, your particular emphasis has been on human genetics. And we have about three more minutes on our uh, yeah. interview. I wonder if we could talk a little bit of, about that, how uh, that uh, in the, at the genetic level, the direction of life is toward uh, destruction and right. toward, toward right. death rather than toward improvement and new uh, information. Right.
1: So I've spent the last 10 years looking at the problem of ge- what I call genetic entropy, which is basically, uh, there's a, a really serious problem with evolutionary theory, and that is that most mutations are deleterious. Misspelling errors in a textbook are deleterious, with almost universally. And natural selection is very limited in what it can do. It can only select away mutations that have a very significant deleterious effect, and it can only amplify mutations that have a very significant beneficial effect. But most mutations are nearly neutral. That is, they are, have an infinitesimally small effect, like rust on your car when a single uh, iron atom oxidizes. You can't see it, you can't measure it, but it's still destroying the car. The genome is rusting out because of these slightly deleterious mutations that cannot respond to selection. So it's going down, not up. And that really is biblical because since the fall, we know that we are dying people in a dying world. And my studies affirm that. And what, it, what the good news is that um, uh, our hope is in Christ and a new and incorruptible body in heaven. That's, that's, the, that's the promise of Christ. And uh, it's, um, it's really the only sound hope that humanity has.
0: Uh, My guest, uh, Dr. John Sanford uh, from Cornell University and involved in the human genome research and a strong uh, Christian follower of Jesus Christ. And we're glad to have you with us on the Lions Den (laughs) University Report today. Thank you very much. You have been listening to the Lions Den University Reports. If you would like more information about the Christian life or would like to contact the Lions Den or one of the guests, please write us at the Lions Den, Post Office Box 226. Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania 17844 or email ltcldur at yahoo.com.